Hello and welcome to episode 1202 of The Sleeper and the Bus. It is Wednesday, August 2nd. I'm your host, Paul Sporer, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. I was not treated. No, we were not going to trade you, dude. No one was a- meeting our price. That's for you. not what the rumors said. I I, I was okay. on multiple live streams yesterday. Nightingale tweeted told, that out, though. Yeah. He said he tried to make those you being on other streams like you were leaving. He was trying to put a hug watch out there. But what stream did you end up on? Uh, this one, yeah, this one and the one so, with you and Nick and yeah. Um, but Scott Chu said that Pitcherlist uh, traded him for me, and I had to invoke my no trade clause. It wasn't fine. The medicals never. Yeah, that's the thing. So, I'm old. My medicals are never going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fun deadline, though. You know, I really I love. By the way, kind of seeing the industry of deadline shows pop up. I'm going to be an annoying douche and say that Nick and I started it because we kind of did. Um, at least on on the internet space, obviously, trade deadline show has been happening forever. But we did our our fifth, and there were several great ones out there. I know you were on Joe Rico's. Um, I saw a few others out there. What what, uh, what I was what, on. What other ones were you aware of? I was on the Top Wars one. I did oh, yeah, Joe I saw Rico's, and then I and I joined you and Nick for for quite a while. Mm-hmm. So um, I saw Rotorwire was doing one. Uh, I think Jeff Erickson and Fred Zinke, I think were. Uh, doing it, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but uh, definitely go and uh, take that a look. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a fun day to kind of sit around. I mean, we're all sitting around watching TV anyway, right? Exactly, so we're all like waiting well. for everything. Yeah, as opposed to just like like live tweeting everything. Uh, it's way more fun to actually be sitting around with your friends and talking about it. As totally happened. Would have liked a little bit more fireworks, um, especially at the end. I think. Uh, though we for did, you, we did hit the over. Specifically. Yes, yeah, we yeah. did. Yes, we did. Go ahead, tell tell what the over under was that you that you set, and it smashed the over. Yeah, we, so we we were like, how many deadline deals happen after you know three o'clock or six o'clock Eastern? Um, and I originally set the over under at five, and you were like, no way, it's like, two no, and because, two and because we trickled to the finish. I was like, no, 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 you got to bring that down to two and a half. We crushed that quickly. And then I think by the end, by the time we signed off, there were six. So the number came through. And then there was another one right after with Spencer Howard, uh, mm-hmm. with Spencer Howard's deal to hit seven. So yeah, seven came in after the buzzer. That was pretty big. Now, none of those were ma- major. Um, there there was some impact. Barlow. The Barlow yeah, one. Barlow one. Yeah, I would say Barlow was the biggest after. Um, but yeah, you know, a few guys kind of left, not traded. But all in all, I'd say a good deadline if you encompass the entire period. Yeah. If you just go off of yesterday, I'd say like a C plus, B minus. Like it was fine. It was good. Like there were guys that moved. It moves that we expected happened, but there were no bangers outside of JV. But once Scherzer went, was there any universe where Verlander wasn't going? I don't think so. I think it was just a matter of where did Verlander want to go since he had the full no exactly. trade clause. And I think – one of the reasons why this deadline, the actual deadline day, feels a little bit lackluster is because we kind of knew who was moving. Like That's the thing, too. Had, no surprises. Yeah, there wasn't like this, you know, big Juan Soto deal that happened where everybody mm-hmm. went, whoa, like, I can't believe this. Who one. would that have been? Cease? Yeah, Cease I think the only guy who Cease, could really make that sort of impact? Yeah, I mean, if the Padres had sold, I mean, yes, I guess. Yes, I was going to say know, that, too. Uh, a Blake Snell or even a Juan Soto. Like there had been talk early kind of in trade season that Juan Soto could be back on the block. 
Um, you know, maybe the Padres try to recoup a lot of the prospects they sent over for him. So, uh, but I think and, rightly so, the Padres held on to their pieces. Yeah, there's and just too the, many buyers. That that's the thing too. It's so, it's so interesting, like where teams are at. You can make cases for teams buying and selling type of deal, right? Like mm-hmm. if the Padres sold Snell and Hater while still trying to kind of remain competitive, just to make sure they get something for them. You could have seen that like Nick Pollock was saying, well, is this Rich Hill G-Man Choi deal? Is this in preparation to move? Is, is Hill going to mm-hmm. be Snell's backfill or are they competing? I think the only other thing um, besides Cease that could have really shaken the ground was if an Arenado or Goldie thing had happened with the card. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was the only three players that were really going to be like, oh, my, outside of somebody that's just way off the radar, like a soda. Well, not way off the radar for soda, but. I never thought they, they were going to sell. So we did get some moves. In fact, the biggest move ended up being the one that didn't happen with my boy, Eduardo Rodriguez. We'll get to that in a moment. We do have one tidbit of news, and it's a big injury um, that I think plays down at least in 12s, maybe some 10s because this guy's been playing very well lately. Brendan Donovan injured and then, boom, out for the year now uh, having surgery. This is, a, this is a bummer. Obviously, this doesn't really impact the cards negatively in terms of um, contention or anything because they were selling everything, but it does uh, cost them a player who was having a nice little season here. Right elbow strain, going to need uh, flexor surgery. That's big. I'm also wondering if you're worried about how this might affect Donovan for the future. Remember, there was talk of like a power breakout. You know, he's 11 homers, but that is a power breakout. I think he had yeah. single digits all last yeah, year. Yeah, I think so. he five last year. Yeah, so he panned out. And he was pacing to pan out nicely. 281, 11 homers, five steals. He put up a 281, five homers, two steals last year in 100 more plate appearances than he had. So Donovan now out for the year. Um, I don't know if this is going to impact into next year, but where do you stand on Donovan now in like a keeper situation? Talk like NL maybe where he's a single-digit price. Yeah, if he does need Tommy John, which is what it looks like he needs, that's typically six months, so you're thinking, well, like, beginning of August right now, so maybe he's ready by the beginning of March, um, yeah. or so at maybe least just beginning, a little. beginning of season. Um, so, yeah, maybe maybe he misses the first month or so of, of the of the season next year. Uh, this is a huge bummer for me, like a massive bummer for me. Like, I Can had just Jonathan, trade for him? Uh, no, but I, I've had Donovan on so many teams. I actually had to trade for somebody else because I it left me without a second. Oh, that's what it was. I knew we had talked about something yeah. trade related with, with yeah. you and Donovan. Uh, I, may, I did make a trade uh, for Bryson Stott um, yesterday like from CJ Kaltenbach uh, of Guru uh, in, in Tout Wars. So um, I think I, I sent him Jordan Walker, which is a bummer, but he's also a Cardinals fan. So I figured it was like a nice little. You know, hey, here you get one of your dudes, and uh, I can uh, I can have a second baseman uh, that will uh, they'll play for me the rest of the way. So, um, you know, because Nick Pollock will still not trade with me. He refuses. I I mean I brought it up on the live stream. Um, he he's ducking. He's you. like he's like nah. Nah. He's, du- he's ducking you on trades, but uh, yeah. So Donovan out for the year. That's a bummer. Um, who's gonna pick up some PT there? I think there's a chance Mason Wynn gets called up. Uh, they were talking on They were talking a little bit about him yesterday on the broadcast, you know, the excitement around him saying that he's you know he's right there knocking on the door at Triple A but he's 21, he's still kind of raw. So the the broadcast was kind of in between on on whether or not we're going to see they, him. 
do they want to start his clock in what is now a lost season? Especially so, for this season, exactly. They got like yeah. a Taylor Motter and a Jose Fermin, couple guys. Edmund will be back at some point. So like, who, who's know, that? Tommy Edmund will be back. Yeah, he, at some back point. yesterday. First oh, game, okay. first game back yesterday. Go. So there you go. So basically, Gorman and Edmund up the middle right now. Gorman, you know, off of DH playing second. Where where exactly was Donovan playing though? Because he wasn't. It he wasn't was DH. He was DHing because right. he couldn't throw. That's right. That's um, right. That's right. And he, I mean, in spite of the fact that he was DHing with his injury for the last month, uh, he was playing just Blazing. so well. Like it was Blazing. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a huge, he's not usually a guy like we care that much about in fantasy, but like he'd been playing so well in spite of the injury, like that he was, you know, 12 team viable. Uh, and uh, even like you said, some 10 teams. So it is a kind of, Huge loss, especially with his multi-positional eligibility. Yeah, um, Donovan qualifies everywhere, and I'm yeah. I'm gonna make it a little personal and, and express my bumness about it, like you did. I'd picked Donovan up um, mid-May. Somebody cut him, and I was like, I'll, I'll take a shot. I wanted him during the season. I got a 295 average, eight homers, and three steals out of him. That's yeah. a big piece, and. He's one of those guys. You just mentioned the eligibility. I can't tell you how many times he saved my bacon with being able to go for somebody on the waiver wire because I could just move him around anywhere. And so, uh, yeah, I'm really, I'm really bummed here. Both just in general because you hate seeing somebody kind of lose their their uh, uh, season there to an injury, but also personally because it affects my team. Uh, but let's talk some trades. We got lots to go through. Obviously, some of the lower ones don't need a, a deep dive, but we do have some big ones out front. Let's talk about Justin Verlander. Like I said, once Scherzer went, it was just a matter of working out the logistics of trading JV because what are you keeping him for at that point? And they do, in fact, work out a deal with him going to Houston along with a boatload of money to make sure that they get another good return, which they did. Drew, Drew uh, Gilbert and Ryan Clifford going to the Mets here. Let's talk Verlander from the Mets to the Astros. What's your initial thought of him coming back to a team where he's been an elite before? I mean, I think this is just like kind of a perfect landing spot for him. He, he knows Houston. He's comfortable in Houston. Uh, I mean, he's a, when healthy, he's a stud, and he gets to go back to uh, another team that uh, is going to be really, really good for his win potential. Uh, it's obviously a little bit worse park, but or you know a fair amount worse park. But like I'm not super worried about that for Verlander. Yeah. So uh, I I think he's you know I there's not a whole lot of fantasy analysis here. You're blow, I think if you I think the one question is if you're in an AL only league, are you blowing your fab on Verlander or Scherzer? Yeah. And I think the answer for me is it's on Verlander. I'm a little bit more skeptical of Scherzer moving parks. That's a hundred percent where I'm at. Um, also, I mean, obviously, Verlander's my favorite player, my favorite pitcher ever, too. So yeah. maybe there's just bias there. So you make your own assessment. They're both close. Um, I've, I used to be in an NL-only league where I loved having the, the traded players come over and really figuring out mm -hmm. the logistics of that. So it is nice to have two aces for the AL. I wonder how that's going to change some races. We'll see how that goes. Let's talk some Gilbert and Clifford going to the Mets. And, of course, they got Luis Hill, Acuna in the Scherzer deal, and it basically purchasing prospects in a way, right? Because when you throw back that much money with these guys, yes, the, the guys matter too. These are two aces. But the only way you're getting those returns is to make sure you defray some of the cost on those contracts, which they did. Drew Gilbert, Ryan Clifford, I think both ranked in MLB's top 100. Uh, only Gilbert 
I don't think he ranked in our top 100, but he would be close right now with a, no, no, he was, he was a uh, 49. That's yeah. what I thought. And then Clifford is somebody who's risen. And I think uh, because the MLB list updates throughout the year, like as they call everyone, he's in the top 100 now. What do you know about Gilbert and Clifford for dynasty? Um, one outfielder with Drew Gilbert and one, or I, they're both outfielders, right? Clifford's an outfielder too. Yeah. So a couple outfielders, uh, what do you got Clifford, on Gilbert and Clifford? Clifford may end up being a first baseman. I, he's not super great defensively, and he, I'm pretty sure he's like a pretty big guy. Uh, Clifford's a little bit farther away. Yes, three uh, years younger. So, so I think his estimated uh, debut date is like 2026. So a lot of power in Clifford, uh, but a lot of swing and miss. So kind of your prototypical either corner bat, uh, quarter outfielder, or first baseman. Uh, Gilbert, I think, here is the real prize. Uh, you know, we have him just inside the top 50 in terms of prospects. Uh, you know, there's uh, decent power, but um, I think more speed, uh, but a pretty good hit tool. So you're talking about a guy who could probably hit like 270 and steal maybe 20 bases, uh, but not be punchless, which is pretty nice for fantasy. And I think he's pretty close to being ready. And now the, that the Mets have uh you know trade away so many pieces i think there's a chance he's up before the end of the year so he's definitely a guy to kind of just keep an eye on i don't think you're necessarily stashing him in any format uh but keep an eye on for the rest of the season because he could make a september uh, debut that'd be really interesting i I like drew gilbert and by the way i picked up some things yesterday in in chat regarding um clifford and i had I thought I'd read that he was in their MLB's top 100. I do not see that. Um, he yeah. is sixth in the Mets system. Jet Williams is fifth, and he's in the top 100. I do not see Clifford in the subsequent uh, 20 players after that. So Jet Williams I, having a really big year in uh, in the minors this year, by the way. Like, Jet, really Jet Williams is is pretty big. That yeah. So he's 79. I see Justin Crawford, but I don't see Ryan. Clifford. But either way, maybe he's on the cusp of the 100. It's a nice return, and I agree with you that Gilby is the one to keep an eye on right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's talk about Tommy Pham to the D-backs. We were kind of waiting for them to make a move, and I know it's funny to hear them get an outfielder because, I mean, it seems like they're always in high stock of outfielders. However, it's almost always left-handed outfielders, right? They've moved a few in recent times here, including Dominic Canzone in an earlier deal to get Paul Sewald. Um, so then they bring in a guy, but it's Tommy Pham. It's a right-hander to go with all their lefties here. What did you think of Pham? This was another guy. It was foregone conclusion that he was leaving. Mm-hmm. What do you think of Pham to the D-backs? Can he keep it going? He's been having a pretty nice season. I mean, I think it's a fine move for the Diamondbacks in terms of, like, you know, getting Pham. Like, I think Pham's a nice little bat uh, that can come off the bench for them or, or – uh, you know, Ooh. hit against the lefties. But so that means this is bad news for Fam. Then is what you're about to say. I think it is bad news for Fam because, uh, I mean, right now the projected platoon partner is Alec Thomas, but Thomas is going to play a fair amount because his defense is so good. Yep. So I, maybe Fam gets some more at bats at the DH spot. Uh, to me, it just boggles my mind that they didn't end up with a starting pitcher. Like it's just That's I don't that understand. I uh, and maybe they just thought they were going to end up with someone. They and time ran out, and I think the Eduardo Rodriguez maybe threw. Uh, them for a loop because that was one last pitcher on the market. Yeah, that uh, he could have gone 
to New York or to LA, excuse me. And then there could have been other pieces falling. Mm -hmm. I, I was at the point, we'll talk about who the Dodgers eventually got. I was in a similar point for the Diamondbacks where I was like, even Jordan Lyles would be an upgrade just yeah. because they need some guys who can eat some innings. That's my concern is just filling the innings with Tommy Henry going on the IL. So I agree. I thought that they, I thought that they botched it there. I like the fan pickup. I like the Seawald pickup. I thought they botched it by not getting a starter or two, and they didn't have to be big name arms, right? Jordan Lyles, we would have said nothing about it fantasy wise. I'm talking about filling the innings without just some triple a guy i know he's got a 615 era this year that would have been better than just you know getting sixth seventh eighth guy down in your triple a system so i thought the diamondbacks flopped there uh with regards to fam i think he's been pretty viable even in 12s this year because he has 10 homers 11 steals 268 does this trade curb that viability for fam 12 teamers I think it probably. I think it's. I think it's pretty close to doing that. Do you go preemptive um, and make a move, or do you play wait and see because Fam's been too good, just in case he overtakes like a Yuli or a, a, some of Lourdes Gurriel's playing time. Where do you go? Do you do you jump and just go get somebody right now and say I'm just going to let Fam go, or do you want to see it how it plays out in case he does play more? Yeah, I want to see it kind of how it plays out because I mean, they could easily just say, hey, you're going to be the full-time DH. And, you know, we'll free out in the outfield here every once in a while to give guys uh, days off. But for the most part, you're just you're going to you're going to DH for us. You're going to play every day. Um, but I could also see a situation where, yeah, he's strictly the short side platoon. And if, if that's the case, then there isn't enough fantasy juice for him to matter, especially in 12. So that that uh, is a concern for fam. Let me let me assuage some fears for those that have fam jake mccarthy sucks yeah that's that's yeah. that's my counter um and actually has a reverse platoon this year with a 644 against righties 726 against lefties and so i'm not saying he's a reverse platoon guy but if they're just looking they're going to start going off of some of the results at this point in the year especially when they're fighting so they're going to see and it's not just some low babbit for jake mccarthy against righties he has a 333 and it's still only netting a 644 OPS. I think that could be Fam's avenue is to take a bunch of McCarthy's playing time. Obviously, he's going to play against every lefty. Think he'll play against enough righties. Hold in 12. You're fine in 15s. And still like a, a streamer in 10-teamers at best. I, for I think my only pushback on that is McCarthy is a much better defensive player than Fam at this point. That's fair. But no. what do you, do you make that trade off? Or do you let Fam play for six innings then and then bring McCarthy in? I think so, it's just something we want to monitor kind of moving forward. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. And then just for the sake of looking at the upcoming schedule here, in the very short term, next week there's a decent number of lefties. And um, today, Sean Manaya today on Thursday, or excuse me, tomorrow, Thursday. And then next week, it's only a five-game week for Arizona, but three are against lefties. They get Julio Urias, uh, Blake Snell, and Rich Hill. So... We'll see how that goes uh, with Fam. Keep that. Keep an eye on that with the Diamondbacks. He could become a 12-team cut if he is in a platoon. Jack Flaherty goes to the Orioles for Drew Rom, Cesar Prieto, uh, Zach Showalter over to the Cardinals. We figured Flaherty was going to be dealt again once. Th There's a few teams that started dealing guys that they were going to clean clean shop or clean house rather. Definitely the Cardinals. 
Flaherty over to the Orioles. You got to like that. Uh, it's a ballpark neutral move, probably. I think Bush overall is good. But then, of course, that left field for Camden is now awesome. And it's so I'm still not used to saying, wow, this pitcher is going to Camden. That's good. That used to be such a death sentence uh, before they made the park move there. Problem is, lefties are the one dominating Flaherty. So his is newfound, uh, you know, protection against righties for the home runs with that park isn't necessarily helped 888 OPS against right against lefties for Flaherty what but what do you think of him as an Oriole I mean I feel like this was the best possible solution for Jack Flaherty because I was afraid man leaving St. Louis the very few parts for contenders that are really great to pitch in so yeah. I was like oh, get him to Arizona or get him to Baltimore uh where He's protected some uh, by their dimension. So as far as, you know, because I was afraid he was going to end up with, like, the Dodgers. And, like, you know, Dodgers have, like, the third worst um, park factors for for pitching uh, this year. And I was like, oh, he's just going to get murdered. Because now you add the home run rate with the giant walk rate. And uh, it's just going to be that ugly. That would have been scary. And I've got Flaherty in, in a few spots where, like, I can't really afford for him to get continuously get blown up. Um, so... Yeah, ending up in Baltimore is like kind of the perfect move for him. Perfect move for them. They really needed a starting pitcher. They did, uh, and they did clearly did not want to give up any of their major prospects. Um, so, uh, which I, I, I get, but as we talked on the deadline show, I really think they were in a position where they could have. I I I know there was a rumor that um, the White Sox were asking for Jackson Holiday for Cease. I hope for the White Sox sake that they were kidding because that'd be embarrassing if they yeah. really thought that they could get the number one overall prospect for um, for Dylan Cease. Like nothing against Dylan Cease. It's, it's more a pro on holiday. But there's a lot of room uh, left in that system to get something wonderful for the White Sox and still give Dylan Cease. So all we got was an, a rumor that they asked for holiday and maybe they did. Yeah, start high. But I'm not sure that that was their asking price. Like that was the yeah. only thing they do. When I was on the Tout Wars live stream yesterday, I'm trying to remember who it was, but uh, uh, someone made the point that, you know, and this is almost like a dynasty league where, like, you come in and you go, hey, this is my plan, and I'm sticking to my plan no matter what. And maybe the Orioles said, hey, our plan is for 2024, yep, and we're not going to kind of, like, deviate from that plan. You know, we'll make some ancillary moves, and, you know, yeah, maybe we, you know, we get Flaherty, and that makes us, you know, for sure a playoff team. But uh, we're not going to go overboard because 2024 is our real kind of. And I respect game. that. Mm-hmm. I respect that kind of patience and and dedication to to the plan. I'd have been a bit more willing. I, I again, I'm not behind the closed doors to know where the prices really were on somebody like Cease. But that's also team control. So he's there for 24, right? And then you really have somebody who's dominant. Yep. We think that. Grayson Rodriguez is going to get there, and he looks a lot better in the majors since coming back off of his recall. Eager to see what he does tonight in Toronto. I'm a big Kyle Bradish guy. I think he's a nice piece. Mm-hmm. But if you go cease Grayson Bradish as your top three next year, you're really building something. Uh, for me, there's a world where Kobe Mayo plus is an, is fair. I, I can get behind that. Or even a Heston Kirstead plus. Like, I thought there was something there. They didn't. They went flared. At least they did something, though. Sitting on yeah. their hands, I think, would have been a big, big flop for Baltimore. They did something, and it is an impact move. So um, yeah. with regards to Rom, Prieto, and Showalter, anything on the dynasty market there for the Cardinals? 
Um, there's some nice pieces, but I think they're all pretty far away. Uh, I don't know that any of them. Uh, Rom is a really, really interesting uh, starting pitcher, but um, I, I don't know that any of them in most dynasty leagues right now. I don't think that they're registering quite yet. Yeah, um, I have some experience with with Rom. We call him CD Rom in my stream because that was the easiest, lamest nickname we could come up with. But um, I have some experience with him becoming a nice starter in out of the park baseball. Uh, that means nothing for real life, but I just like to point it out. CD Rom has become he, a nice little lefty, and he's older, so like he he could actually, considering where the Cardinals' rotation is at this point, he could, could he actually debut pretty quickly. So, uh, or at least they have only I think Stephen Matz as their uh, the only like starter yeah, who's on the docket for like or under contract for next season. So like Rom's probably going to be in the rotation next year. Yeah, then they can go. Well, now all of a sudden they can get a little pretty lefty heavy because they could go Libertor, Mats, Rom. They could have yep. three lefties in there. In, I think Michael is division, still under deal. Yeah, in a division where a lot of those teams they're facing struggle against left-handed pitching. So there you go. That could be that could be nice for them. You know, I, I respect what the Cardinals did. They had they had just such a disappointing season. They didn't get stuck and say well we're just going to keep these pieces they made a lot of nice moves i thought um same with the mets uh i know we already talked verlander and you talked um scherzer i believe on on the weekend episode they did really well here the mets like i think they're set up fine i do think it's weird that they're talking like we're not going to compete now till 25 so they're already saying they're going to take 24 off but i really do think and that's just the beauty of having all the money in the world is that they were able to kind of reset pretty nicely with things. But I also think the Cardinals did well with their kind of uh, th- mini reset here, too. I think the White Sox did really, really well. Yes, We're they did. about a couple more of their moves. But, like, Luis Patino for cash consideration. I love I the got, gamble. I love that gamble. And, I take that know. every day. He's still just 23, I believe, Luis yeah, Patino. Jake Edder is a really nice gamble for, yep. for Jake Berger. So. Jake for Jake. We're going to get into their their two mm-hmm. moves there, uh, the Marlins' two moves, which includes one with the White Sox. But let's talk Michael Lorenzen to the Phillies first. Another guy who was a foregone conclusion that they go, you know, Alex uh, Alavila probably would have struggled to trade him. I, I, I have faith in Scott Harris, and I will say, if he hadn't traded Lorenzen, he would have kind of gone to, down to zero for me in terms mm-hmm. of faith. That's how, you know, overreactionary I would have been, but I would have been so mad, especially in this market. I actually wanted to see a little bit more, and I, I the Eduardo thing I'm not mad about. I respect Eduardo's decision. He didn't want to get traded to stay with his family. He earned the no trade, you know, by, mm-hmm. by being good enough to get that in his contract. I respect all that, and the whole, like, calling him out is not wanting to be a winner. I got no room for that. First off, he's won, yeah. and not every guy is just purely driven by the world series like that's just the simple fact of it right there's there's uh, you know hundreds of players in baseball not every single one is just singularly motivated by world series world series world series what if like three of eduardo's least favorite players in the league are on the team right like i, I mean I, I, we don't know but like what if they are like what if he just desperately hates i'm not gonna name names because i don't want to start crap but i'm just saying like we don't know and then we go out and we talk some like major trash like this loser doesn't even want to and by the way this is not a sneak this at our boy maddie wood he did have a take like that which mm-hmm. was discussed online and he's an open-minded guy to where he's not gonna be like digging in his heels rob silver pushed back on it i gave some pushback but he was not alone and there were people saying 
way more out of pocket things than and I don't even think Maddie was out of pocket. He was just being a Dodgers fan. But there are people mm-hmm. saying like crazy things about Eduardo and what this means about him. I had no problem with him. I wanted to see what they would have gotten from the Dodgers, of course, as a yeah. Tigers fan. But I respect his decision. So Lorenzen was dealt, though. How you Lee over to the Tigers from the Phillies. We'll talk about him in a moment. But what do you think about all-star Michael Lorenzen going to the Phillies? Uh, I think this is a disaster waiting to happen. I think the Tigers did a really, really good job of getting rid of Lorenzen and getting something back in return. But, like, this is going to end really, really poorly. Mike Lorenzen has a 2.02 ERA versus teams under 500 and a 5.82 ERA versus teams over 500. Yep. He's moving from the easiest division in baseball to one of the toughest divisions in baseball, moving from a pretty good park to pitch in to a not very good park to pitch in. Um, and now the Phillies have a decision. They're going to have to move either Suarez or Sanchez out of their rotation. They're going uh, six in- for a couple weeks. Okay. But, so Maybe it's a little, the- little preview here. And we talked about this on, on the show yesterday. Um, and I, I believe you were there for this combo. Mm-hmm. They've got Lorenz and Sanchez Suarez, all guys who've been swingmen, right? Yep. And I know Lorenzen's an all-star, but if it, if it goes like you're saying, he could be the one in the bullpen. If you're handicapping it right now, where do you stand on this little two-week trial of Lorenzen, Sanchez, and Suarez, and how are you planning for one of them to go back to the bullpen? Assuming an injury doesn't create the natural opening, which is probably what will happen because that's how pitchers work. I think Sanchez will be the guy who goes back to the bullpen. I, I, I have think to go. He, I have to go. I'll see you. I love he's you. The, he's the least deserving of anyone to go back to the bullpen, but – I know. He has less innings on his ledger in terms yep. of like what he's done in the past, uh, and like he's getting pretty close to the amount of innings he's already thrown or he threw last year. So I think at this point you start looking at like okay, he's going to be an electric arm no matter where he is, but maybe he's a three inning guy out of the bullpen when after Lorenzen gets blown up or after Suarez gets <laughs> around, you know. So uh, actually, that okay, so that could be a sneaky way to get some wins, assuming Lorenzen or Suarez doesn't mm-hmm. give up like eight runs. But if they go four innings, you know, it, because their pitch counts are getting run up and then Sanchez comes in for those three middle innings, maybe there's still some deep league value then. I hope you're wrong that it's Sanchez, but that was also I, what I, I was saying yesterday. Because I know how the hierarchies work and the freaking, you know, seniority type of thing, especially if it's close, right? Lorenzen, Sanchez, Suarez, yes, he's pitching the best of them right now, Sanchez, but like, you look at their their track records, all three are pretty close. They're going to go with the youngest guy getting thrown back to the bullpen, usually. Yeah. I hope that they buck that trend. Uh, now, with Lorenzen and your your concerns about how this is going to go, are you are you moving off of him anywhere? Like, he's he's pretty viable in 12s, 358 ERA, 110 whip. Like, you're, you're not just cutting that outright. But what are you doing if you have Michael Lorenzen in a 12? Are you stocking up some reinforcements off the waiver wire? Or are you just outright saying, I'm going to cut him preemptively? Where, where do you stand in 12s with Michael Lorenzo? Because he is very rosterable there. I don't think you can cut him right out. He's just been, I think, too good overall. Uh, I'm trying to trade him. Any league where I have the ability to trade, I, I had him in the Dynasty League. Uh, I traded him, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago. I've been writing about trading him for like the last six weeks. Yeah. Uh, and to his credit, like he's still pitched well enough where he's been viable over these last six weeks. So maybe I sold a little bit too early. I just can't imagine this this ends particularly well. 
uh, in Philadelphia for Lorenzen. So I, I would definitely be trying to move him right now. Yeah, that that's my concern too, is about how well this is going to play or, or not play as it were. So be careful there with Lorenzen. I agree. You can't preemptively do it though. He's just been entirely too good. You got to at least play it out a little bit. Let's go to the Marlins. They made two big moves. I'm actually going to flip them on the sheet here and put them in the uh, chronological order. First, Jake Berger over to the Marlins. I don't know if you saw his interview. Uh, listen, it's always tough to get traded. He seemed really bummed about it, though. He's excited about going to the Marlins and getting in the playoff hunt or whatever. But when you're with an organization, you know, yeah. you're getting traded from your first organization, it's tough, especially all the trials and tribulations that Jake Berger's been through. I think people might forget or just not know. He was number 11 overall pick in 2017. Like, he was a dude. Injuries have absolutely ravaged him, and he's finally getting something going this year. And then you kind of get the rug pulled out with a trade. And that's always just a lot, right? It's just a lot to handle. Um, but he's hitting 25 homers, 214, 279, 527 line this year. It's been all or nothing, but I think an all or nothing power guy is kind of exactly what the Marlins needed. If they'd have gotten another like 18 homer type dude, you know, who has a middling slash line, I wouldn't have liked it. But I like that they got another true power source in Burger. What did you think of this trade? Burger for Eater, Jake for Jake. Uh I love this trade for both sides. I felt like this was uh, a really, really smart move by the Marlins. I know there's some concerns, and you yelled at me uh, pretty good on the uh, on the live stream yesterday uh, about you know Burger taking a dip, you know, in power. But I I, I think he's got real manpower. I'm not mm-hmm. super worried about uh, his uh, power potential in uh, in Miami, and you know we've seen the. White Sox play games with his playing time, you know, all throughout the season. So I think this cements him as a middle of the order bat, going to hit right next to Jorge Soler, uh, which is just a fantastic, you know, middle of the order for for Miami. So uh, if someone feels like, oh, man, this is going to kill Berger, um, I'm buying right now. I think this is a really good buying opportunity because I do think there are going to be people who think that Miami is going to kill his value. I don't think it will. I think he's going to be fine. And think it's going to um, kill his value. Let's just be clear. I said it will hurt his value because by the very nature of going from Chicago to Miami, it is a worse park. So it will hurt his value. And I didn't even hit you with this yesterday, which might really sting you. He's a 990 OPS at home, 618 on the road. So maybe Jake Berger is in some big trouble. I was just saying that it does hurt to go to that park. He has big boy power that plays anywhere. But when you move the dimensions back, no matter how you break it down, it's going to hurt because not every hit that he has automatically, you know, clears the fence by 50 feet. So that doesn't matter, though. There could be some that kind of die in that center field uh, or even in that uh, left center alley there in Marlin Stadium. So we'll see how that goes. I do love what Berger's doing, though. I do believe in his power. You're certainly not cutting anywhere right now because he's just been too good um, you know, to not stick with and see how this goes with the Marlins. I, and again, I love it from their side, just getting some power. Even if he's somehow worse than the 279 OBP that we've already seen, frankly, if he has like a two and a quarter ISO, which is slugging minus batting average or better, I think it's huge. He's at 313 right now. It's, it's been crazy. 527 slug, 214 average. If he's in 300 territory, that's wonderful. But even at like two and a quarter, 250, they need that kind of pop with the Marlins. And they got a second piece, too, which we're going to talk yeah. about in a moment, Josh Bell. But let's talk about the returns for the White Sox. You talked about how they had a good deadline. I fully co-signed that. Jake Eater is the return here. A guy on his way back from TJ, 
Big time live arm from the left side. Lots to like. Former guy from Vandy. I think his stock is down a little bit because he's coming back from TJ. But this dude has major upside. Good get for the White Sox. Talk to us about Jake Eder, E-D-E-R, for those uh, unfamiliar with him. Yeah, I don't know if it's Logan Higgins' uh, quote or somebody else's quote, but the quote on the front page of Jake Eder's uh, Fangraphs page is he's potentially a Spencer Strider from the left-hand side. Yep. Like, that's pretty fucking ballsy for anybody to write. Um, And maybe that was written before, like, Spencer Strider became what Spencer Strider is, but there's a ton of upside in this, uh, you know, in this arm in in Jake Eater. So, like, a a guy, to be quite honest, I didn't know very much about until yesterday. Uh, And so... But after kind of reading a lot of the reports from a lot of different places, uh, I'm pretty excited for the White Sox. It's a really, really good get. Uh, and, you know, he, you know, he's a little bit more advanced. He's coming back from Tommy John, like you mentioned. So I don't expect him necessarily to debut this year, but maybe a debut next year. And uh, Jake Eater is a uh, mainstay in the Chicago White Sox rotation. So fantastic trade for both teams. Yeah, really, really like that. 24 years old for Jake Eater, has 30 innings at AA, 10 at A ball this year as he works his way back. Should hopefully finish in AAA, but yeah, there's no reason to necessarily debut him um, until next year. But I really am excited yeah. for Jake Eater. Good get there. They weren't done. Again, they need power. And I will admit, Josh Bell's power is not uh, as prodigious as Berger's, but he's also a bit more of a well-rounded bat too. Even though he is struggling this year, one of the things you always have to remember with trades is what are they trading from? Like, what does the guy that they're getting replace? Not just what is Josh Bell doing? So yeah, you get Josh Bell and he has a 96 OPS plus this year, which certainly doesn't jump off the page. It would be like the fourth best qualified um, uh, OPS plus on the Marlins. Well, before you include Berger, so fifth best. Arise, Soler, Sanchez, De La Cruz, Bell, and Berger. So there you go. They added two of their best hitters yesterday. This Bell move was kind of surprising because of the team that got it done and, and because the the Guardians traded them and they're in contention. But this was another move that I really thought made some sense here. I like this move. What do you think of Josh Bell going to the Marlins? I like it a lot, too, because he's a switch hitter. So, like, you know, this this team was starting to look a little bit uh, left or righty heavy. Yes. Uh, and so adding Bell, who can kind of help, you know, give you that – Right, left, right, left. Uh, when you need it, I think is is really really nice. You know, Bell's not a you know kind of change the world type of hitter, but he's probably going to hit like six or seven in this lineup. This lineup went from being pretty gross and the team was dependent on pitching to hey, this is a real legit lineup. Yeah, uh, you know, especially one through seven. So uh, I, I think they I think the Marlins did a really really great job of not breaking the bank on anybody but still putting together a really, really strong trade deadline. And I think they're going to give a lot of teams, you know, the run for their money in that wildcard race. I certainly agree with that to a T there. Uh, Arise, Soler, De La Cruz, Jazz, Berger, Bell, Avi Garcia. If Avi can get some things going too, how clutch would that be? Because mm-hmm. then you're looking at basically three additions. He's only been back for two games off the IL. So that that five, six, seven, Berger, Bell, Garcia – are essentially all additions right now from what they've had over the last several months. And I think that could be really big. I'm not holding out a ton of hope for Avi. He just hasn't really been there recently, but Berger and Bell should bring some nice returns there. Uh, Gene Segura and Khalil Watson go in this deal. 
Segura is going to be instantly cut. He was basically going to be DFA'd by the Marlins anyway. I guess they let the Guardians do the honors. Mm-hmm. Like, do you want him? Because they're cutting him. But Khalil Watson is the pickup here. Uh, former first-round overall pick just from 2021. But the stock has dipped a little bit. I want to say there has been some off-field stuff, but I don't. I should look that up because I don't want to be besmirching someone's name without knowing that. 2021 draftee, first-round pick. Another first-round pickup here. Um, for an AL Central ball club from the Marlins with Khalil Watson. What do you know about the 20-year-old middle infielder having an okay season at high A? He's got a 104 WRC plus seven homers, 14 steals. What do you think of Khalil Watson for the Guardians? I mean, have we ever seen Khalil Watson and Josh Lowe in the same place? Um, Because I think this is the same kind of profile. It's a guy who's going to swing and miss a ton. He's going to strike out. He's going to run hot and cold. But, man, when he's hot, it's going to be hot. There's power. There's speed. Um, and I think there's going to be a fair amount of opportunity here, uh, you know, at some point in the near future for Watson. So if you like those boomer bust prospects, that's what Khalil Watson is. Like, he's mm-hmm. a guy that, you know, could be a star if things come together for him. Or he could be a, I don't know, fourth outfielder or quad A player. So, yeah, well, no, he's a middle infielder. So he's like Josh, oh, he's like Josh Lowe on the yeah. infield. But that same sort of like, like you said, all or nothing kind of profile um, has the power and speed, though, Khalil Watson does. The only thing I can see here, I don't, nothing off the field. In fact, he got suspended for like using his bat as like a gun and then like kind of doing a shooting gesture at the umpire, which, hey, don't do that. Kind of goofy, yeah. but also not uh, not the biggest thing. So, uh, again, I. If, if there's anything else, let me know on, on, on Twitter, at Sporer. But I, I thought I'd heard something that he had some off-the-field stuff, but I'm not seeing anything in his Wikipedia that makes him seem like a bad dude. But maybe a change of scenery is, is right for him because I know that last year was really tough on him. He didn't play how he wanted to at age 19, but only age 19 in the A-ball. So I think maybe he was being too hard on himself, Khalil Watson. But I like this pickup for Guardians, and I love it for the Marlins. They continue to contend. It, it, it's interesting because for the Guardians, like – this is not their type of prospect. Like no. usually they want like high contact guys that maybe have a little bit lower ceiling. And so it's interesting that this is the guy they went after uh, to kind of get. I kind of um, like it though, right? Shoot, yeah. shoot for something a little bit different here. What do you think of their deadline? Because they're fully contending. They're two games back. They have a strong rotation. That's what they're built on. They trade from that strength for Savali with the Savali for Manzardo trade. Now this Bell trade makes a lot of sense when you consider that other one because now it clears some space if Manzardo wants to come, if he can come up later. But even in the here and now, it clears some space because Oscar Gonzalez is recently back. Now, Mm -hmm. I wasn't super keen on him coming into the year, but he's 25. He did some things last year. They got to play him. They got to see where he's at. I don't think the sample that he's put up this year is representative. So... I think I saw yesterday that the Guardians are going to bring up Brian Rocchio. Okay, um, okay. So he's a good middle infielder, mm -hmm. utility type guy. Yeah, he's their top top middle infield prospect. So um, he's, I think, going to be their everyday shortstop uh, kind of moving forward. Over Arias? Yeah, I think Arias goes back to being kind of a a utility guy, uh, which is what he should be. So Yeah, good love, though. I mean, I don't love what the guardians are doing necessarily okay um from a win now perspective obviously um like that manzardo for savali move i love that can Um, thor really 
I mean, he had a decent first outing, and I I want to get excited. It was you guys it was not Thor. that it was it was it wasn't I mean, it was surface two, level two swing strikes in the entire exactly. outing like surface level quality. quality. Yeah, I, I don't I don't buy into into it at all. By the way, I just want to be clear. They think he can replace Savali. The reason I thought this was a little bit weird for a contending club is because they got all these rookies that got to be running up on some limits here. This is what we're talking about with the D-backs, too. It's like Gallon and a bunch of guys that that don't have innings. In fact, um, PJ, our guy watching on uh, playback yesterday and, and, and my Twitch stream, big Marlins guy, he was thinking that the Marlins need to get somebody, too, because of all their rookies and the inning limits that they're running on. Did Cleveland shoot themselves in the foot for this yes. year? Yes, I, I think this is just being a little bit too cute. Um, I, I think this takes them from being a contender to not really being a contender. I think the Twins Oof. are going to pull away in the division, and uh, they're clearly not going to compete for a wild card spot. Like, it's division or bust for That's the tough part, yeah. I think even the Twins not doing anything at the deadline, like, they are now the superior team uh, overall. So, uh it's, I think, a bummer for, for Cleveland fans because it's a team that uh, should be competitive if they'd be willing to spend more than, like, 75 cents on a player. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that is that that is fair, and it is weird to see two, like, legit pieces to the team right now, Lorenzen, or excuse me, um, Savali and uh, Josh Bell, leave. Now, again, I think Manzardo could be up relatively soon and kind of cover bell he wasn't exactly tearing the cover off the ball or in-house with gonzalez playing more whatever but the savali move while i do like that trade for the here and now it was a little odd and they hey they churn out pitching left and right maybe they got something up their sleeve but i don't know if but cody morris or joey Cantillo is going to save the day yeah it's now noah Syndergaard and three rookies because I mean, exactly and you have no and idea with, if and when bieber's coming back like and mckenzie Bieber, yeah i think mckenzie's done um so i'm worried about both i am too um i traded for bieber in a league but only because it's that massive league with like real life contracts and i can qo bieber at the end of the year like I mean, oh nice um, that was the the only thing. So that's that's a that's a worthy shot to take. And like Plesac hasn't been doing anything in AAA, right? We've kind of known yeah. for a while that he's fringy. Um, I mean, are they turning Jared Eikhoff into something down Maybe in the Cody minors? Morris? Cody like, Morris is someone only I been, love. But what kind of innings could you get out of him? Anyway. Yeah, I think he's only been throwing one or two inning stretches. Like I don't think he's. Um, he had a negative yeah. strikeout minus walk rate at AAA. Oh, admittedly, 14 and two-thirds. I don't want to freak out over that. And I do like Cody Morris's arm. I'm a Joey Cantillo guy, too, but he hasn't really been showing any command at AAA uh, yeah. with a 14% K rate and a 1.7 homer nine. So I don't think he's ready. I don't think they have a savior. That's what made this so surprising for me um, with the Guardians. But we'll see. They, they turn out pitching left and right. Maybe they will come up with something but I don't know. Uh, Luis Urias goes to the Red Sox from the Brewers. Brewers dealing from some of their depth here, and Urias was expendable to them. I thought it was a decent pickup for Boston. Obviously, they moved Kike Hernandez. It basically kind of fills in for Kike Hernandez then, right, with Luis Urias? Yeah, I, I think Younger so. version. I mean, I don't even know if he's going to start in the majors, but I think this is just infield uh, depth. It allows them to move... Over Yu Chang? Uh... Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm mean, looking at roster resource right now. Luis Urias not on oh, wow. the roster, so I'd be surprised. Can, 
I think Chang's out of options. So and oh, okay. and Urius was already in the minors. So uh Fair. I think this is just kind of a little extra depth uh for them. But you know, Urius maybe just needs a little bit of a new change of scenery and maybe he can get some things going. So Hell's been an issue like. this year. Yeah, yeah you know, we, we we liked him. I was actually I don't even want to go back and look at what I spent on him. On uh, on the waiver wire when he came back, because I, I was looking for somebody who could maybe spark the offense a little bit. And uh, given how poor I am in Fab now, I'm, I'm definitely going to regret this when I find out how much it was, because I don't remember that I spent sixty four dollars to a twenty eight dollar backup bid. This was on May twenty eighth, you know, um, when we thought maybe there were some prospects for Udias, but clearly I overshot. Uh, we'll see if Boston calls him up. Good point on Yu Chang with no options, though that does become but an none, issue. None of Boston's bench options have options. Yeah, so, like, Reyes, Ref Snyder, Arroyo, uh, Reese McGuire, they all are out of options. Uh, and so they're, they can't go anywhere right now unless they want to get rid of one of those guys. And I think like Ref Snyder plays pretty consistently against lefties and is having yeah. a decent season too. So maybe Pablo Reyes, maybe he gets DFA'd if, if and when they want to bring up Odias, but for right now, don't have to really worry about him. Let's go to the Padres. Again, we talked about Rich Hill and G-Man Choi going there from the Pirates, and we weren't sure, is this some reinforcements, because those are two solid veteran pieces, or backfill, because they're going to make moves. Turns out it was the former. It was just some reinforcements. G-Man Choi can be the lefty guy against uh, right-handers at DH, and then Hill gives them some pitching depth because uh, you know they don't exactly have an overfill of starters right now, especially with Waka on the IL. So what do you think of Rich Hill and G-Man Choi going to the Padres? This is a huge bummer for me. Um, I really thought the Padres were going to be sellers, and so I picked up Robert Suarez everywhere. And then I didn't start him because they were starting the week in Colorado, and I figured it would take a few a days. Uh, yeah, so I could have gotten a dub in um, – yeah, that, you were that, right not to start him though, because yeah. he wasn't guaranteed to close, and Colorado. So those were good reasons. I like Suarez a lot, but that you were you were yeah. right to not start him. It sucks so, to leave a win on your bench though. And now I've got to drop it. Like he's just mm-hmm. not gonna be. He's you know. He, yeah, you can't keep him now. Yeah, he's just not gonna be the guy. So, uh, yeah, I mean, but rightfully so. I, I mean, for the Padres because like they should try to compete. Like this team yes. still compete. Um, you only have so many years with Soto. Uh, they showed last year that, hey, you can backdoor your way into the playoffs and still make some noise. You know, mm-hmm. they're were, they were really close to getting to the World Series. So um, I definitely think they should compete. And I would not be surprised if they make the playoffs or even wins this, wins this division. Like, this division's not out of reach for them necessarily either. I wouldn't so. be surprised by anything from the podcast. Yeah. They have enough talent to do literally anything. They win the World Series. I'd be like, okay, yeah, they got hot. Of course they did. This is a good team. I would have thought it was crazy if they sold for the most part, but they didn't. They reinforced. Uh, they got a pretty good club. They got to start playing better. Now, they're two games yeah. under. Can they finally get over 500 and stay? And if so, um, it could have it could be a hell of a race in the NL West. For Rich Hill's fantasy value, obviously the win probability goes through the roof. What do you think about the move in general? Do you like him as a Padre? Is he 12-team viable for you? Is he just a streamer, team streamer? Where are you at on Rich Hill now that he's a Padre? I think he's a straight up streamer. Like, I mean, this Rich Hill's a guy that, like, hey, when he's pitching well, he's pitching well. But he's also yeah. a guy that is more often not going to go four innings and not give you the opportunity to get a win. Uh, I think at some point maybe they tandem him up with, you know, a guy like Nick Seth Martinez Lugo or, or, or Lugo. Lugo, yeah, or Lugo or or Martinez. Yeah, I think that makes sense too. 
So, but yeah, I think he's just a straight up streamer. Easy. I, I totally agree there because the highs haven't been as high for Rich Hill and the lows are still pretty low um, when, when he gets beat. Although I will say, uh, at least the Pirates did this and, and some other teams. He does have a few really ugly duds on his ledger, but a lot of times these days teams are good at getting Rich Hill out before he really sinks yet. Yeah, when he doesn't have it, it seems to be pretty clear. If the curveball isn't working, just get him out of there. Uh, G-Man Choi, any interest there? 15 team and only uh, where are we at with G-Man Choi becoming uh, a Padre? Is he going to be a regular against righties? I mean, the Padres are like the, Petco's like the only place where like he um, could have like not gained any value. Like, you know, <laughs> Pittsburgh's been the worst park in baseball for, for power this year. Uh, and the third worst, the Padres. Like, wow. so, so, yeah, neutral move there. Yeah, Better team, super, though. So, RBI run opportunities pro- a little bit better. Probably less playing time because he's going to straight up platoon with Gary Cooper. Go. Yep. Good so, point. Uh, yeah, I mean, outside of if, if you were rostering him already, you probably just hold on and kind of wait and see. If you weren't, you're not picking him up. Yeah, Garrett Cooper and Sean Reynolds uh, came over from the Marlins for Ryan Weathers. Um, mm-hmm. Any interest in Cooper? I mean, if, if Choi's only no. playing one side, then the Cooper's on the short side, so no interest there, even in NL only, I would think, right? No, unless Choi gets hurt, I think Cooper's now irrelevant. And then they picked up Scott Barlow to further reinforce the bullpen, which I like now because now you're looking at Hayter, Suarez, Wilson, Martinez, Barlow uh, as your top five. That's a nice little that's a nice little mm-hmm. quintet there. But it obviously kills Barlow's fantasy value from a saves perspective. Just an outright cut for you. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. Go get Carlos Hernandez now. Like he's, yes. he's the guy should have already play. been preparing for that though. I think yeah, in a lot we've been, of leagues, we've been talking about him for like a month and. Uh, hopefully people already stash him, but if he's still available in your league, go grab him. Absolutely. Uh, Paul DeYoung over to the Blue Jays, obviously with the Bo Bichette injury. Thankfully, they said there's no structural damage, so they're not uh, you know, totally afraid that he's going to be nothing for them, but they had to get some backup there. Paul DeYoung can kind of play everywhere. Nice utility guy, but does he have any fantasy value? No, uh, I mean, about the same as he did before. He's going to play inconsistently. Uh, this was a little bit scary because we hadn't gotten the news back on Bo Bichette's uh, injury. And so there, uh, there was part of me is like, oh, my God, is this a sign that Bichette is done? I can't yeah. afford to lose Bichette on my main event team. Um, so, uh, no, Bichette's going to be fine. Uh, DeYoung's going to kind of fill in for him until he's ready to come back. And then I think he's just going to kind of go back to being a utility infielder. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly how we're going to see it with Paul DeYoung. Maybe he catches fire and you can stream him, but for now you don't have to worry too much. I like this little move here. Rodolfo Castro to the Phillies for Bailey Falter uh, to the Pirates. I think it's a nice little major league move for both teams, but it's not super fantasy relevant. Uh, do you have any NL interest in either? Does Falter go into Pittsburgh's rotation? Uh, and is Castro of any note to you on the Phillies? Better park now. Yeah, but he's not going to be on the major league team quite yet. So. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I don't think this. Is, I mean, Falter is a little bit interesting because you know he's a guy who's shown some flashes of being a usable streamer, um, and now he's moving to the best park in baseball for a home run. So uh, I think that Falter provides some really interesting streaming opportunities down the stretch. But other than that, it's kind of nothing. 
assuming he joins the rotation too. So keep an I eye out on that. Yeah. I, I think he should, but um, we'll see. You know, the swing and miss wasn't there for Falter, so that could be a, a bit of a problem. Uh, Ryan Yarbrough to the Dodgers. So we talked about the Erod thing, right? They had a deal in place for Erod. He vetoed it. Their next option was Ryan Yarbrough. Um, I. Not many Man. lefties on the market, apparently. I was say, they, and, and I mean, just, they were desperate for a lefty then. Because, yeah, I mean, where do you go? Because Snell, they're, they're not trading Snell to the Dodgers. Mats, Corbin, I mentioned those guys to you, but you talked about how well, they're not going to want to deal with all the Corbin contract nonsense. But even Mats, do they want him long term? Because he's got another year or two on his deal. So they've settled for Yarbrough. This, uh, these moves by the Dodgers, and we talked about this uh, pretty at length on, on a re, uh, Joe Rico's uh, a live stream, which I think he's turning into a podcast, so you can go back and listen if you don't want to watch it on YouTube. Um, but uh, I think this is just more and more a sign that they are all in on Otani. Like yep. this is, they did They're not want to commit for any long term money because they want to have all the money available to throw as much as they can at Otani. Unless and, you were at a certain level, right? Like Erod reached their threshold yeah. of like, but they he's also good thought enough. Erod was going to opt out, you know, in the season. So it's not long-term money. Like it's not true. But even yeah. if he did, like you could afford, like that is not hey, an well, expensive any deal. Any, 18, any 16, team 15. Can, any yeah. team, especially Dodgers can afford. Any, yeah. Any price, uh, so so. Yarbrough had no fantasy value with the Royals. He doesn't with the Dodgers either. I am intrigued by my boy Cole Reagans, formerly of Texas, mm -hmm. now with KC via the Chapman deal. He's going to get a shot. I think this dude's a really live arm. I'm eager to see what he can do. Um, if he has a good, I think he starts tomorrow uh, or maybe even today. If he pops off, obviously he's going to get on everyone's radar. But if, if he's just kind of like decent and gets stays a little hidden, I'll be intrigued by that. Maybe I can sneak Cole Reagans, but I'm I want to see what he can do. This starting is a live today. arm. He is starting today, so I'm torn. Where I want him to do well, but if he does too well, then everyone's going to be on it yeah. in 15 team leagues. But what do you think of Reagans getting into the rotation for uh, the Royals? Great park, uh, a great park, a really good matchup today versus the Mets in Kansas City. Uh, you know, so. Uh, he's going to go out there and ball today, and we're going to have to overpay for him in Fab on Sunday. But I, I'm with you. I, I really like this. I didn't even realize, you know, I said it on the live stream, I think, with you guys. Like, when did Cole Reagans even end up in Kansas City? The Chapman deal was yeah, sneaky. Yeah, I totally I totally missed that. So, uh, really good get for uh, the Royals a few weeks ago. So, I like this a lot. Um, I'm, I think he's a guy that I – Definitely going to be watching his start today. I don't know what time it's at. Um, I'm hoping it's during my lunch break, so that way I can go to the sports bar and uh, have a burger and watch some Cole Reagans. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think he's a guy that a lot of people are going to want to pick up uh, for the stretch run. Yeah, just a really live arm in a great park in that crappy division. There's a chance that he ends up just being really nice for folks. Um, you know, there's a chance he flops too, and he's nothing. But Cole Reagans, R-A-G-A-N-S, keep an eye on him. This guy was a big time, uh, or had a chance to be a big time prospect, but got derailed by injuries. Even if you saw him last year, that was at a totally different velo. He was coming back from TJ. His velo's back up. There's some intrigue there. So that's the bigger part of that Ryan Yarbrough deal. And then Andrew Chafin, Keenan Middleton, and Austin Hedges went to the Brewers, Yankees, and Rangers, respectively. I don't think there's any fantasy relevance either from them or from any anything that they clear out. Am I right or wrong there? 
Mm, yeah, I don't think there's much here. Yeah, like Chafin's going to be like a lefty helper for the Brewers. Yeah. Keenan Middleton's not going to take over in that bullpen, and Austin Hedges has never been fantasy relevant unless yeah. you count catching defense. So that wraps it up. Deadline, like I said, overall was really nice if you count the whole trade period. Uh, and then yesterday, I would say, was, you know, a solid C plus B minus. It was good, had a blast on the show, but no real craziness as far as the trades. Um, I haven't, one, one thing we haven't done here was like, who benefits the most? I guess Cole Reagans, we kind of talked about from a, from a departure, but do you have any names off the top of your head that you've thought about? Because I haven't yet. I'm going to do my article where I'm going to cover all the uh, all the moves there. Jeff and I are splitting pitchers and hitters. Anybody that you can think of that that really benefits from a departure? Um, I mean, Carlos Hernandez is, is the one that comes off yeah. the top of my head. Anybody um, on the Mets with, with, with their moves? is uh, Rafael Ortega, I know he's like 30 three he's like 32 actually low power low speed is there anything there where he could maybe uh hit a little stretch i guess yeah i guess he could he got called up yesterday along with like four other guys so. yeah um i i mean he had some pretty useful value uh value in chicago a couple uh, years back that, right yeah it might have even been last year honestly um, oh yeah seven homers 12 12 steals in yeah. 118 games, that's 371 plate appearances. But he's 96 WRC plus, like not that bad. In AAA this year, he struggled. Uh, Ortega did. Uh, he was with Texas, and he put up a 74 WRC plus, but had good plate skills still. 14% walk, 17% K. So I think there could be a little power speed. I don't know. Um, I'll look at all the other stuff to see any dust that might settle that could uh, create an opportunity. Uh, anything with the White Sox? I'm trying to think. No. Yeah, I don't really. See- think of anything i mean moncada is definitely a full-time guy right now but i mean that was elvis andrews he was already playing i think wasn't he like well he was and then he wasn't because now i'm looking at it he hadn't played for like a bunch of games playing some second base yeah um so, so maybe, maybe some maybe, maybe some speed there. It's maybe, not maybe really a lot of graduations that you go oh this guy got playing time now I agree. I agree. All right. Well, then that was a fun trade deadline. Thank you so much for coming on our stream yesterday, too, with me and Nick. That was a blast. Um, you and I will still be back on Friday, so it'll be a quick turnaround. We'll do the three up, three down, uh, you know, two-step guys, all that normal episode. But Congressman uh, versus reliever coming Friday. Are, are you planning it? Let's go. I can't wait. I, I, I think we shall. I'm going to actually reach out to Ellen first and see if she can uh, – uh, show up for an episode somewhere uh, along the line. If she so, can, if save she it for can, that. I'll save it. Yeah, but uh, I think it, it is long overdue. We played some congressmen. You can no longer use Drew Rom, though. I now know that he yeah. is a pitcher. Mm-hmm. So, All right, Justin, have a good day, and I'll talk to you in a couple. Take it easy.